Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show. And Eric, um, it's middle of July. We, we don't have Jared on, technical issues there. But we're about one week away from all three of us consistently being on the podcast. Uh, vacations are all about, all about done. Uh, you and I are going to Vegas leaving town in about 24 28 hours um at the pause of this at the time of this recording for Pac-12 media day um it's football is almost here we've got a preseason all conference teams that have been voted on by the media i was a voting member of that um we'll discuss that as in in details our thoughts on uh the players selected not selected from Oregon to those teams uh, we'll also dive into Pac-12 Media Day itself. You and I, like I said, will both be there. Um, and it's going to be an interesting opportunity to speak with Bo Nix, with Jeffrey Bossa, head coach Dan Lanning, um, as well as some other individuals from across the conference. Um, but Eric, hey, let's just – I'm just free reeling here right now. Let's do it. How excited How, how excited are you? Like, are you, are you jacked up? I bumped into a media member yesterday. We were talking about – we were talking about, you know, going to media day on Thursday and – the whole day on Friday and, you know, football's coming here and I'm excited. I'm ready for football, but um, you're fresher off vacation. I'm still kind of fresh off vacation. I'm still kind of in that. I want to squeeze as much fun as I can uh, before the grind of seven days a week football starts. I was just going to say it's, it's like kind of a, uh, and I should also know, I'd probably be a little more excited. I caught, I caught a little bit of a bug while I was on vacation. So I'm still kind of, reeling from that. So I wish I was a little bit more healthy. I'll, oh, I think I'll be obviously good by Friday. But um, yeah, in general, this marks the end of our summers, basically. And which is uh, means that we kind of lose uh, some of that freedom of having days with a little bit more uh, open time to go maybe hit the links right. as, as Matt will do, or uh, I'll go out and play some basketball or, or, or whatnot. So we lose a little bit of that opportunity. Um, but at the same time, it means football is here. I mean, that, that's what that's what this Friday marks is is football is 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 coming up, and it starts what will be kind of the you know the be the beginning of of what will be I think a really fun fall. We've got um, Saturday Night Live, which will be on the 29th of July. There's a couple other events that signify the start with with regards to media. I won't spill the dates there because I think we're still told not to. Um, we've got, we're aware of some of the dates coming up here. So yeah, things are going to start kicking off, and it won't be too long here before the start of fall camp starts. And as Matt says, it will be full bore seven days a week. The 24 seven sports moniker, which I'm wearing across my polo shirt. Let's see if we get the right side here. Uh, we'll, we'll feel more apt. So uh, yeah, no, I, I'm fired up about that part as you are, Matt, a little bit of mixed emotions, knowing that uh, the days are going to go from being a little bit more open to uh, pretty full with fun stuff. But once, once we get going, uh, we'll be right into the thick of it. And I think we'll be enjoying it. Football is king. Football is awesome to watch. Uh, and football is awesome to cover. And so hopefully you're on DuckTerritory.com. Um, keep an eye out for a killer promotion that's going to be released here. Depending upon when you're listening to the show, it could be live today. It could be live tomorrow. Uh, but you'll be able to get some huge savings on a membership to DuckTerritory.com. All right, let's dive into the all-conference teams, Eric. Uh, 14 Ducks were selected to either the first team, the second team, or the honorable mention. 
Um, we've got two guys on the first team, offensive defense between, from the Oregon Ducks. Um, but real quick, I'm curious. Could you name the school that has the most players uh, on first, second, or honorable mention? This kind of surprised me here a little bit. So we're doing a total of all. Total of all. Most represented team. Okay. I know it's not Oregon. Um, yes. I'll go with Washington. I'm, I really haven't even looked too closely. What's the answer? You're not correct. What's it is answer? Oregon State. Ah, that was my gut answer. It seems like a tricky one. Utah led the Utah led uh, the conference with six first team members. I, I don't think that's a surprise at all. Um, they've got some studs across the board, uh, but Oregon's two guys that made the first team. Bucky Irving made the first team at running back with the first team offense, uh, and then Brandon Dorless made the first team defense. I will note I was one of the voters who voted Brandon Dorless defensive MVP for the season. Um, he did not get that award, or I don't think he's got that award hasn't come out yet. Um, but I, 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 I don't know if there's really any issues here. My one issue is I voted Troy Franklin first team offense, uh, at receiver. I would have, I would have put him in there. Um, but I have no issue with Rome Madunze. I have no issue with Dorian Singer. I think yeah. Singer's is maybe a little assumption of who he's playing for now, USC, instead of Arizona. Well, yeah. So the, the elephant in the room is that the quarterback situation where Bo Nix is not one of the first or second team guys. And just to address that, I think that's perfect. That's what it should be coming off of last year. Maybe perfect's too strong of a word, but like it adds up uh, because Caleb Williams was the Heisman Trophy winner last year. Yeah. There were, he was the Pac-12 player of the year. Michael Penix led the country in passing. Those are two players that are pretty unimpeachable, I guess, resumes coming into this season. Do I think Bo Nix can prove to be a better quarterback and have better seasons than both those guys? Absolutely. I, I, am I betting on it? I don't know. But do I think to start the season, this is the right order? I think it is. Bo Nix was honorable mention last year. These two guys return um, with, uh, I think, a very exciting offenses. I mean, you look at the, as Matt was kind of running through there, uh, you know, Troy Franklin being honorable mention receiver, you also feel like that's probably surprising or disappointing. But I mean, Roma Dunze and, and Dorian Singer are the first team receivers, and Jalen McMillan and Jacob Cowing are the second team guys. And if you go look at last year's all uh, Pac 12 receiving leaderboard, that's one, two, three, and four in those stats. So, um, you know, all the top guys came back. Troy was, I think, sixth or seventh in the conference in, in most receiving stats here. Um, yeah, sixth in receiving yards. Those guys were all finished with more than him. So I, I get the frustration because I think Franklin is, again, like next, very much on par with these guys from a talent perspective. I think probably a better player than a couple of these guys. I, I do understand from a statistical perspective um, why they're both there. Um, I will also say I would be really surprised if neither player is on the first or second team when the season's done. I, I would be – that would be – a sign that the season didn't go the way it was anticipated it could go because both those guys, if they have if they have the year they're capable of, will be deserving of of more than honorable mention recognition. But to your point, Matt, Franklin definitely could be deserving there. Knicks could be deserving there, but there are also in this case really good candidates in the conference of those positions. Well, it's like what we've talked about all off season at the quarterback room is like, or not quarterback quarterback room, and also just the depth of the league that this is the best it's been in a long time. Yeah, you probably could say that for multiple position groups. Um, mm -hmm. That 
the league is just so loaded that Troy Franklin in any other year would be a you know bona fide first or second team preseason pick, and it's hard for him to get in there just because of how good the receiving core is across the conference. Um, one interesting note I took. I'm curious to see. This is a maybe even a bigger picture here. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to pivot just a little bit, but I had a hard time kind of justifying transfers from a different conference being first or second team all conference players. I did vote Evan Williams. I should say that as a second team defensive back for Oregon, that's what he was ranked as. Um, he, I, I did look at it as, hey, this is like a bonafide NFL player, but I didn't even feel comfortable putting him in um, on the first team when maybe he could have been, maybe. Um, I just had issues because he's never played at the, at the Pac-12 level before. But, like, the reasons I bring this up is, like, Travis Hunter, guy yeah. played FCS football uh, and transferred from Jackson State. I know he's a five-star. I know he was a tremendous athlete. But he was a freshman last year at Jackson State University. He is honorable mention receiver. He is first-team defense, and he's a first-team specialist. That's a big leap from going from playing HBCU schools to playing at the Pac-12. The talent levels are not the same. I know he's a five-star, but that's a big assumption. There's a couple other guys on here that, you know, there's just been some some thoughts. Well, maybe this guy's just going to transition right away. Like I had a hard time with Jordan Birch. I had a hard time with Justin Jacobs. You know, guys that I think Duck fans are saying, "Hey, these guys are going to be studs." Or uh, a Johnny Cornelius or Junior Angelau. Um, some of these guys who are probably going to start be transfers from other schools. I just had a hard time justifying putting them in. Definitely first team and even second team. I had a hard time doing it. And you can tell you're not the only one who had a hard time with that. Because as to your point, not a lot of the players on these lists, you mentioned Travis Hunter. I think that's an outlier of guys that are new to the conference that are on these. I think that's going to be – and by the way, I, I just scrolling here, I think that's Colorado's only player on either team. Um, so maybe that was almost like a sympathy vote of like, okay, if we're going to give one, <laughs> one guy, let's put him on the first team. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, no, to your point, you look through here, uh, you, you, what you're seeing a lot of, are, uh, at least from my perspective, and I think I have a pretty good feel for the around the league, is guys that were quality starters last year that weren't star players are on the second team defense in particular here. I think in part because there just weren't a lot of options of returning guys, and this these awards are so much based upon, you know, are, are, are based upon past performance. And to Matt's point, it's hard to know what translates and what doesn't. And I think it's notable that Evan Williams is on the second team it's the only other or um, it's the only Oregon transfer this year on a team, but I think that's going to be kind of the norm here for a minute. While the portal, you know, and I think the portal will continue to be obviously extremely active. We had Cooper Patagna on um, you know, right before I went on vacation. He outlined, you know, how prevalent the portal is and how it's not going to change at all. I, I think this is going to be kind of the year in and year out charade with this, where you look at it and you go, well, we're probably missing a third of the best players in the conference that just transferred in. Yeah. Are on these teams, and I bet you these teams are going to look so much different at the end of the year here because there are guys on here who were like okay players on on decent teams last year that are on the second team that probably aren't better than a lot of the new players that are coming into the conference that you just aren't accounting for. And I think Matt obviously wasn't alone in terms of assessing this and going, I don't know, is this guy really going to be like unless the guy's a, a complete superstar, superstar, which I think people think Travis Hunter might be. 
it's it's hard to I think um, to put a guy on a first or second team basically sight unseen when there are guys who've been in the conference and these have started and produced at a decent level um, who are returning. Um, like one guy, like even some guys transferring within the conference. Sure. It, it was kind of a little like not quite sure how to feel about this. Um, like Christian Roland Wallace, I think, was basically like a four year starter at mm-hmm. Arizona at cornerback. Right. Um, multiple years was in contention for all conference honors. And he didn't even, he, he made honorable mention at USC. And I don't know that it's the transfer portal is definitely going to make things interesting. Um, one that caught my eye, and I don't understand this one. Like, and the people could, if you're a non duck fan, could accuse us of we didn't want him anyway. But like, Justin Flo was an honorable mention yeah. pick at linebacker for Arizona. And, it, and to, to get honorable mention, it means you had to have four or more voters put your name in. I don't know how many total voters there were. Um, but I just don't know what he has done in his first two seasons to say, yes, like he's been hurt both years. Uh, and then what has he shown you that, that, that justifies that he's going to be, you know, an all conference caliber player. It, it, it's interesting. There's definitely these preseason awards are always interesting. You get some, you get some eye shockers. I, I think the biggest one is Travis Hunter. I, I really hope he lives up to the billing because that's pretty cool. If we could see a all conference, whether it's all mentioned first or second team player at three different positions would go down as maybe one of the best seasons individually in probably conference history. To your Justin flow point. Yeah, it was actually three years. He was hurt his whole freshman year, missed basically all of the 2021 season. And then last year, we all know that was kind of a, he was healthy for parts of the year at least, and just wasn't a very good producer. So yeah, I'm wasn't playable. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's <clears throat> I think it's tough on the voters here because uh, again, you're assessing what's returning, but because so much of the league is also transferring out and then replacing it with new players, like I, I I think it's probably harder than ever to put together these teams. I'm thankful I'm not one of the people who does. Um, do we want to go to some more? Yeah, we kind of talked through all of this. Camden Lewis is also on the second team, which I think is yep. he's deserving of that. Um, did you have anybody who was an honorable mention that was on one of your ballots? from Oregon um let me pull up the Oregon ballot like the email from right trusty and very important Nate Kruger the SID um no looking at the list uh, the honorable mentions Bo Nix Troy Franklin Terrence Ferguson Jackson Powers Johnson Josh Carnley Jr. Johnny Cornelius Jordan Birch Jeffrey Bossa Triquez Bridges and Nico Reed um, I did not vote JPJ, uh, Cornelius or Reed into anything, uh, into any of the first or second teams. Um, so the fact that they got some votes is a little bit surprising to me. I did vote Terrence Ferguson's second team, all conference tight end. He was honorable mention. I, I struggled with Connerly. I, I put him in at the last spot for the second team offensive line. Right. Um, I really struggled there with him because he hasn't played a lot, but when he did play this past season, he was really good. He's a five-star guy. Um, maybe you could argue JPJ is more deserving of 
of the award than than uh, Connerly just because he's played more. He's actually got a couple starts under his belt. Maybe that was a mistake there by me, but I just I I, I chose to go with Connerly. I, I picked a little bit of potential there, um, and then Bridges and Bossa and Birch I had as um, honorable mention or or all conference kind of selections there. To the offensive line, I'm going to be stunned if no Oregon players on the first or second team. I think Oregon's got a lot of talent there, but also to the point Matt just made, like none of it's proven within this conference. I mean, Connerly is Connerly is kind of the name that you would expect, even though he's never started to be on the second team based upon the Justin Flo, Travis Hunter math we just kind of outlined where big time five-star recruit. This case, he's actually played a little bit in the conference. I think he only played about 115 snaps last year. I was just looking at it. So not a ton, but enough where you can say he's, he's not a bust. Um, yeah, JPJ and Johnny Cornelius are two guys who I think will definitely be there. I think there's, I mean, I shoot like, I think there's a lot of parts of this offensive line that get me excited. Those are probably the three that stand out most. I think the Nico Reed one, that's in, really, that's interesting. I'm because again, I, I guess it's you know, people are how are people reading into Oregon's depth chart at corner because they do have Triquiz Bridges on there as well. So they have both of Oregon's corners on the honorable mention list, but. I, I think most of us think Kyrie Jackson probably has a leg up. Nico Reed, of course, hasn't enrolled, wasn't here for spring. Um, I just found that interesting. I know he I know he has played quite a bit, was a pretty productive player at Colorado. Wasn't like he was a star player, though, and I guess I'm just a little surprised he was included there over over Kyrie, who I guess, again, if we're using past performance, it's not like Kyrie did very much at Alabama either. But the projections, at least from what we saw in, in spring, feel like Kyrie's in better standing. But, again, Reed wasn't here, so it's hard to say. And that's where I struggled, like, with Kyrie Jackson and Tysheem Johnson. Both guys had stellar careers. I shouldn't say stellar, but, you know, they were starters at, 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 at SEC schools. Right. And Tysheem's was Tysheem's was definitely more stellar than, than Kyrie's. But these are two guys that come from a conference that's historically known to be elite on the defensive side of the football. And they started multiple years. and. I was like, they're newcomers. I don't really want to throw them in here too much because they weren't like elite All-American superstar transfers. But at the same time, they come from a, a conference that's simply better at defense than the Pac-12. Maybe they should jump in here into the mix. But yeah, kind of surprised that neither of those guys got honorable mention. But again, to your point, like you brought up earlier, it's actually really hard to, to yeah. make this, these voting uh, happen. And it's kind of honestly we were talking about it off the air a couple days ago it's kind of overwhelming because you look at it and you got like i don't know close to 200 names that you have to go through and you know you want to do a good job but that's still really hard and just one last thought on the defensive back transfer thing i think the thing that's interesting is as somebody who covers the program and is around it and i think kind of has a feel for the, the fan pulse and maybe we don't always agree i would say of the incoming transfer defensive backs i think reed's probably the one that has the lowest expectations among fans probably right like i would say evan right. williams taishim johnson and kyrie jackson and then and probably in that order and then nico reed so it's just interesting to see that the conference um across the conference to project that the expectations are a little different evan williams being second team nico being on the honorable mention and the other two guys we mentioned I, I'm really high on Ty Sheen. Like I, I think he's very much deserving of, and I'm kind of surprised that he's not on here. But again, the conference voters are at least familiar with Nico Reed. They obviously haven't watched as much of Ty Sheen Johnson. And by the end of the season, everybody will have 
far more evidence to make these decisions. And I think the voting will be a lot easier postseason as it is uh, preseason. Is there anyone honorable mention that you feel like should have gotten on the list? You asked me that question. Yeah, only fair. Um, you know, I, I think Taishim, I just, as I mentioned, I think makes sense as somebody who probably should be on there. Um, I'm with you. This is hard, though, because I, 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 as somebody who's been in these situations where you're trying to vote for teams and go through it all, it's it's a lot harder than people give it credit. You know, people oftentimes are like, what? They, they, just don't, they don't watch the games. They don't know. Well, they might watch other games than what you're watching is part of the issue here. You're watching your team play and other people are watching those teams play. So I, I'm understanding of it. I guess um, one other player uh, defensively. You know, Justin Jacobs is going to start. I think there's pretty high expectations for him. I, I, I'm also understanding coming from a different conference part, but I think the transfers as a whole are, are going to be the hardest ones to get right here because it's tough to have the pulse of each program from, especially because it's in this case spring that happened a couple of months ago. How many of these right. guys are you actually able to watch? So I, I get it, but there are a couple of those transfers I probably would have had on here, and maybe one or two I wouldn't. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back. Uh, we're going to dive into Pac-12 Media Day. Eric and I will both be there kind of looking forward, looking ahead to what we hope to see, what we think we'll see, maybe some ideas of, of some topics we'll, we'll hope to discuss. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audibles podcast. Pac-12 Media Day, July 21st in Las Vegas uh, at the World Resorts uh, Properties, the north end of the Strip in Las Vegas. Eric and I will be there bright and early. Kicks off at 8 a.m. with a George Klavkov, uh press conference that starts, I think, around 8, 8.15 Um and it's it's going to be a loaded event. Um, you've got a Heisman candidate or not Heisman candidate. You've got a um, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in Caleb Williams. He will be speaking at that event. Um, we've also got multiple Heisman candidates who will be speaking in that event. Um, we've got. Uh, Head coaches, Dan Lanning. We've got head coaches like Deion Sanders. I don't know if that's clicked yet in your head, Eric. I did a radio interview a couple of days ago where it's like, yeah, do, do you want to try and talk to uh, Deion Sanders? What would you what would you say to Deion Sanders? And it was kind of like, you know, I hadn't really thought of that. And that's a guy that growing up, like that was like one of my favorite players. I probably should think about that for a second. It's, it's a loaded event for – uh, the Pac-12 on Friday. I, I have no idea what I'd say to Deion Sanders, and I think it's best I don't have anything to say there because there's probably people who have a lot better questions than I would for Deion Sanders. I, I'm I'm excited for Colorado to have whatever this is because it's way more exciting than whatever it's been in the past, right? So, like there should there should be excitement for Colorado. Uh, the Pac-12 media deal, whatever is going on with that, it doesn't sound like we'll get any um, resolution on Friday. Yeah, what? what? But they've, they've got to address it, right? Like we we know you or I won't ask this question, but we know there's going to be a, a a national columnist who's going to be there that's going to ask questions about the media deal, and for them to come out and basically someone in the conference leak out to a bunch of people that they're not going to talk about it, 
like and they're not going to announce it. But it's, it's close a bad look, man. But it's really close. It's they're they're they're, they're so they're on the on the goal, on the goal line right now. They're about to punch it in. No, I, I agree. Um, and we don't really talk about it much on this podcast because there just hasn't been much to talk about, and it's honestly kind of depressing um, to, to to look at what's potentially happening. Um, so, but yeah, we won't have any final resolution. I'm sure that'll be a topic of much discussion. Um, this is random, but one of the one of the things I'm most excited about is is talking to some Utah people about what the heck's going on with Cameron Rising because I you know I, I was doing my preseason projections for the conference it was really hard to know what to do with utah they're the defending two-time defending conference champions but their quarterback situation is a little perplexing right now with some injury stuff so like his availability what that looks like i think is notable if we're just going big picture conference stuff and then yeah i i guess i'm just really intrigued to kind of hear what all the returning quarterbacks have to say what um now, I actually haven't looked at the list. I assume DJ Uangalale is representing Oregon State for offense. Is that the case? Uh, Oregon State has Anthony Gould okay, and so uh, Keaton Odapo. So I was actually I was curious to see what he might have to say about joining this conference. But yeah, I think I, I think there's a lot from other schools that are interesting. Um, from an Oregon perspective, I. We, we haven't heard anything from Dan Lanning about how the offseason's gone, right? Like, he hasn't been on record as far as I'm aware for a couple of months, at least doing an extensive interview. It'll be good to catch up, see kind of where they are, what his perspective is on how the offseason's gone, the onboarding process with all these true freshmen that came in. Um, we haven't heard much on them. So I think there's some base storylines there. And then, of course, you're, you're always kind of curious coming off a season last year where a lot was available at the end of the season, a lot that wasn't accomplished kind of what the offseason was like in terms of making sure some of those things get rectified. Because I think the two of us, Jared, Oregon fans, they're pre it's pretty obvious some of the things Oregon needed to work on this offseason. I'd be curious to see and hear kind of what Dan has to say about some of those. I'd like to, I'd like to get with Dan. <clears throat> and we always, like, we talked – I felt like last year there was a lot of, like, hey, how did you learn from this experience? Because it was his first ever as a head coach. And sure. while I – I don't always like those questions. I do think it's it's tangible on this point of how better prepared are you for year two than you were for year one? Because uh, maybe better prepared isn't the right word, but year one had a lot of highs, but there were also some pretty bad lows mm -hmm. for this team. Um, whether it was the Washington collapse of letting that game get away from them. And you could argue maybe it was – more so of a, of a player, Bo Nix, getting hurt than, you know, sure. decision-making from a coaching staff. There were some interesting decisions made in that game. Um, and you can't blame Bo Nix for getting hurt, and we're not saying that. But, you know, the Oregon State game, you the lead that you had and then the manner in which you lost that game where Oregon State, I don't think, completed a pass in the second half um, and still came back and won. like. Yeah. How better prepared are you for year two now? You know, what, what's the full, where's the growth? And we often hear coaches talk about like, hey, uh, year one to year two for a player, there's a big jump. I'm assuming there's got to be a big jump from year one to year two for, for a coach too. Here's another one. Last year, your marquee non-conference game, you got absolutely waxed away from home. This year, not anywhere near of an opponent as Georgia, but Texas Tech is known to, to kind of sneeze at and, that's yeah. early on in your season away from home. Are you guys ready to go into a hostile environment and perform better? Because, again, last year it was really disappointing. They, they really didn't 
I know there were a couple of drives offensively where they could have cashed him in. The score might look different, and but the defense was just steamrolled the whole game, and, and it really wasn't competitive. Obviously, you can't have a repeat of that this year. That puts the season on a completely different foot than a lot of people expect. I think many people are anticipating Oregon will be 3-0 and when they open conference play against Colorado, and if they drop that game, that's a big one. So I'll be curious, and we probably won't get too much into Texas Tech stuff because Dan won't want to go there. They do have a game before that. Um, but I'll be curious to hear just kind of as we get closer to that, this might be a question for, for later, just of what did you learn from how last year's first marquee game was in non-conference play and how has that altered what they're doing this year? Because I think that's you, know, you, you ran through the highs and lows of last year. It's easy to be really encouraged by everything that happened after that first game, but that first game still did happen, and and it was again really disappointing. Do you feel like there's last year we could cut the tension in the air with a with a butter knife? Like it was because that was right around when wasn't it right right around when USC and UCLA announced they were gone, or was it a year before? Well, that was this last, that was several months before, but yeah, a couple months. Yeah. So, like, it it was pretty hostile. It felt like in that room there was a lot of tension, not with them, not amongst the media, but just like media, the media. But um, it just felt different than than previous years. And I'm curious now that we know we're going into the last year of the of the Pac-12's current format, and one in which two long-standing members are leaving that are gonna. You know they're taking a huge recruiting pipeline, a huge TV market away from the conference, uh-huh. um, and on top of the media, the lack of a media deal. Like I'll be curious to know what the tenor of, of the press conference is going to be like. This George Klyvkov, when he speaks, is he going to be on the defensive? Uh, is is he going to be trying to push narratives that just? Don't hold a lot of water, a la Larry Scott. Like he, you know, it was very clear. Like, hey, this league is is crumbling, and Scott comes out here and boasts about how the conference is the conference of champions, and then it's winning and and rowing and 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 cricket and you know gymnastics and all these other sports that you know have nothing to do with football. When it's like, yeah, but you're falling behind in football, um, or like, what does Lincoln Riley or Chip yeah. Kelly do when they come out and speak with the media? Um, it's just going to be interesting. This is the last year, as we know, the Pac-12 in its current format will, will ever be around. And I'm just curious to see what the tenor of the room is going to be like. I, it could be a whole bunch of different areas, in my opinion. No, that's a really good point, Matt. And I hadn't really considered all those dynamics. And I mean, last year, Klayabkov did address USC and UCLA and said, hey, they're still member schools. And while they're member schools, they're just like everybody else. I wonder if that'll be the same kind of level, letter of enthusiasm. Because recall last year, UCLA, Klyavkov was still kind of indicating, well, they still have to go through their own state and court and make sure everything gets – and he was saying well, the door's still open for them to come back. So maybe he was presenting a little bit more of a welcoming situation. Um, I'll be curious to see if, yeah, if that tenor changes at all. I, I don't expect him to be too adversarial, but it is kind of a weird situation. And then I, I'll be curious to see – is there a coach or a player that gets kind of out of line and maybe says something, you know, not that they're going to say anything too, too harsh, but this has to feel like a betrayal, certainly for the fan bases. I'm sure for those in, you know, in the rooms and in the recruiting offices and in the football practices, there's a level of that sense too. So how does that get communicated or if it does at all, is it Dion who's, you know, 
probably the most media savvy, but also the most probably immune to criticism because he's so, you know, such a, a household name. Is he the one who says something kind of a sharp turn or does he even have the history in the conference to say it considering this is his first year? I'll be curious. Like Herm Edwards, I think last year maybe said a couple of things that were kind of about it because again, similar deal where you're pretty established and obviously he's no longer around, but I, I, yeah, right. There is certainly the dynamics are very different these last two years than they've been for previous um, iterations of this. And this being the final in this conference in this form, um, it'll be very interesting to see kind of what the feeling is. Um, and, and I, and I, to your point about Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly, yeah, how do they handle it? They're going to get peppered with some probably more difficult questions than some of their their counterparts. Does that does that make them are they prepared for that? How does that all play out? I think it'd be very interesting. After media day, uh, we'll come back home, and then that next week, Oregon will host a Saturday Night Live event. They will host their own Pac-12 media, or not Pac-12, but Oregon Media Day event. And then shortly after that, uh, fall camp will have started for the Oregon Ducks. Um, we're less than two and a half weeks away, three weeks away from, from the start of the season. Um, I would highly encourage you guys to go to duckterritory.com for more coverage of Pac-12 Media Day. Also sign up if you're thinking about signing up for duckterritory.com membership. Um, we've got an opportunity where, depending on when you listen to this, um, July 20th, the day we leave, uh, we're going to we're gonna offer a 50% off VIP membership. Um, I highly encourage you guys to take an opportunity for that. An annual membership gets you all of football season, all of signing day. If you join it right now, uh, you get an opportunity to um, cover both or follow both the men's and the women's basketball programs. You get to go through the recruiting process cycles for those. You also get Jared's baseball coverage of the baseball team, which was one win away from making it to Omaha. Uh, you get spring football on top of that. Um, I, honestly, like if you're going to subscribe to uh, DuckTerritory.com right now is and for an annual membership right now is probably the best time because you get all of that and you get it for 50% off and uh, you'll be able to jump right into the season. So I highly encourage you guys to do that. Um, take that, take an opportunity of that, spread the word for that. Uh, and until the next one, uh, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later folks.